Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to For Fuck's Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and the Hawaiian monk seal in the seat next to me is Ellen. I would say let's fly into the Phoenix flashback, but if I'm a monk seal this week, then let's swim into the Phoenix flashback. Or I could just slide on your belly. Slide on my belly, and then I can get a fish. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you want. Fuck it. Go for it. Anyway, last week we covered the second half of Chapter 18, Dumbledore's Army, and the montaged corresponding film scenes. Harry realizes that the main component of teaching is just talking about shit that you already know. Alexa ain't got shit on the room of requirement. Filch is way too trusting of mystery sweets. Nigel seems to take more abuse than the test dummies. If you need to talk Hermione into anything, just give her a library. Ron is relieved that the room of requirement actually took his butt into consideration. Nothing makes Harry more defensive than insulting Expelliarmus. Marietta is the quicker, bitchier picker-upper when Cho gets a potter puddle. And um, gubular slash kilter, just because Katie wanted to hear me say it one more time. Hey, thanks. I just read what was there. All according to my plan. <laughs> During episode 151, BAM! Cheez-Its! Our Potter pondering was... What would be in your personal room of requirement? Cheese its <laughs> Hi, friends. It's Juliana with this week's Potter Pondering. What would be in my room of requirement? Well, I'm torn. Part of me wants a really nice comfy couch where I can sit and play Animal Crossing on my Switch and watch some TV. And the other part of me wants a music room, because fun fact, for those of you that don't know, I am an elementary music teacher. I would love to have my own beautifully decorated room with quiet children ready to learn and have some fun. So can I have both? Hey Ellen, hey Katie, Jackson here with this week's Potter Pondering. So what would be in my personal room of requirements? Bookshelves all around the walls, a bar, a big screen TV, a uh, massive couch and a whole bunch of bean bags. The TV would include gaming consoles, every subscription channel for free, a hammock, and yeah, just basically a little paradise to keep away from everyone. <laughs> Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. What would be in my room of requirement? A spare set of keys because, yes, I always lose them. Such a surprise. No one hasn't just walked up in my shit yet. But, hey, somebody granny been praying for me. I done made it this far. Also, I would have a snack. Yeah, because why not? Stomach always growing. $5 because I'm always short just five dollars don't know why and last but not least a little cuddly something like a little puppy or a kitty cat or something for pet therapy when i'm stressed out yeah that's how you do it thank you so much for your responses 
Our trivia question last week was, what is the charm that Hermione put on the fake galleons for the DA members? To the amazement of the DA members, Hermione used the protean charm on the fake galleons. So when Harry changed the date on his, it would change on everyone else's. Congratulations goes to Megan Slater. Woohoo! This is four weeks in a row for her now. Mm-hmm. Getting to be a good streak. Yeah. Apparently, Mike was typing his answer at the same time, but she still managed to get it in first. That's what she said. <laughs> Will he beat her next time? Will she keep it going? Will someone else get there before either of them? We shall see. For now, let's dive into chapter 19, The Lion and the Serpent, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Chapter 19, The Lion and the Serpent. The DA's resistance feels like a talisman to Harry over the next two weeks and gets him through Umbridge's classes, even making it possible for him to smile blandly at her. Instead of reading Wilbert Slinkhard's book, he just dwells on the satisfying memories of successful meetings, like when Neville disarmed Hermione, Colin Creevy mastered the impediments jinx in three meetings, and Parvati produced a reductor curse that was good enough to reduce a table to dust. Because they have to accommodate three separate Quidditch team practices, it's impossible to fix a regular night of the week for DA meetings, though Harry doesn't mind since he thinks it's better to keep the timing unpredictable. To solve the issue of how to communicate the date and time to the members, Hermione hands out fake galleons with numerals around the edge of them that show when the meetings will be held. She explains that she cast a protean charm on them so that when Harry changes the date on his, the other coins will change to match and grow hot so everyone knows. But then, if anyone asks them to empty their pockets, it'll just look like a spare galleon. Everyone is shocked into silence that Hermione can do a protean charm, and Terry Boot points out that it is N-E-W-T standard and wonders why she isn't in Ravenclaw. Hermione mentions that the Sorting Hat did consider it, but went with Gryffindor in the end, and then asks if they're going to use the galleons. They all agree and collect a coin. Harry murmurs to her that the coins remind him of the Death Eater's scars, and Hermione quietly explains that that's where she got the idea from, but that she opted for engraving the date into metal rather than their skin. Harry grins and says he prefers her way, as he puts his own coin in his pocket, joking that this way their only concern is accidentally spending them. Ron doesn't think he will, since he doesn't have any real galleons to confuse it with. As the first Quidditch match looms closer, they have to put off DA meetings because Angelina is insisting on nearly daily practices. Everyone is extra excited since there were no Quidditch matches the previous year, and even the heads of house are pretending to show decent sportsmanship over their determination to see their house win. Harry realizes just how much Professor McGonagall cares about Quidditch when she doesn't give them any homework in the week leading up to the match and tells Harry and Ron to use the extra time to practice because she likes seeing the Quidditch cup in her study and doesn't want to hand it over to Snape. Similarly, Snape is booking the Quidditch pitch so often for Slytherin that the Gryffindors are having a hard time getting on it to play. He also turns a deaf ear on the reports of the Slytherin players attempting to hex the Gryffindor players in the corridors, 
even when 14 eyewitnesses tell him that the Slytherin keeper, Miles Bletchley, hit Alicia Spinnett with a jinx that caused her eyebrows to grow so fast they were obscuring her vision and obstructing her mouth. Despite all this, Harry feels pretty good about their chances because they haven't lost to Slytherin yet. Ron isn't quite up to Oliver Wood's standards, but he has made some truly spectacular saves, and even Fred and George are seriously considering admitting that he's related to them. Harry's only real concern is that Ron keeps letting the Slytherin's tactics get to him, and instead of retorting with sarcastic responses, he just keeps turning red or green and develops a tendency to drop whatever he's holding. October ends in wind and rain, bringing in November with cold and frost. When the morning of the match dawns, Harry wakes up to find Ron sitting bolt upright and looking like he accidentally put the slug vomiting charm on himself again. Harry asks if he's alright, and after Ron nods, he tells him that he just needs some breakfast. They head down to the busy Great Hall, and as they pass the Slytherin table, Harry notices flashes of the silver badges in the shape of a crown among all the green and silver. He rushes Ron past them before he gets a chance to read them, and though they're greeted with a cheer from the Gryffindor table, Ron thinks he must be mental to think he can do this and calls himself rubbish. Harry tries to reassure him by reminding Ron of the impressive save he made with his foot the other day and is unpleasantly surprised to learn that it had been a complete accident. He recovers quickly and tells Ron that a few more accidents like that will have the game in the bag. At this point, Hermione and Ginny show up and want to know how Ron's feeling. Harry explains that he's feeling nervous and Hermione thinks that's a good sign and it will help him perform better. Before Ron can say anything, they're interrupted by a dreamy voice saying hello. Harry looks up to find Luna Lovegood wearing a life-size lion's head hat. She unnecessarily tells them that she's supporting Gryffindor and demonstrates that her hat gives a realistic roar as she taps it with her wand and startles everyone in the area. She says she wanted to have it chewing up a serpent but ran out of time, then wishes Ronald good luck and drifts away. Before they can even recover, Angelina, Katie, and Alicia hurry over to them to let them know they're heading to the Quidditch pitch to check conditions. Harry says they'll join them as soon as Ron has some breakfast. After about 10 minutes, it's clear that Ron can't eat anymore, and when they get up from the table, Hermione stands too and whispers to Harry to not let Ron see the Slytherin's badges. When Ron ambles over to them, she stands on her tiptoes, kisses him on the cheek, and wishes him luck. This leaves him too distracted to notice much around him, but Harry sees that the crown-shaped badges read, Weasley is our king, and knows that can't be good. They walk out to the pitch, and Harry tries to point out the good flying conditions to Ron, but doesn't think he's actually listening. They change into their robes as soon as they get to the changing room, and learn that Crabbe and Goyle are the new Slytherin beaters. They hear the footsteps heading to the spectators' stands, as well as some singing, though they can't make out the words. Harry is starting to feel nervous, but knows that it's nothing compared to how Ron, who looks gray, feels. Angelina tells them it's time, and they head out to find the Slytherin team waiting for them, all wearing the silver crown badges too. The new Slytherin captain, Montague, and Angelina shake hands at Madame Hooch's orders, and though he's clearly trying to crush her hand, she doesn't wince. They all mount their brooms, and the match begins, 
with Lee Jordan once again doing the commentary and getting yelled at by Professor McGonagall for getting off topic when he mentions that Johnson is quite the player and still won't go out with him. As the ball is passed around, Lee notices that the Slytherin section is singing and pauses to listen. The words rise loud and clear, calling Weasley their king since he always lets the quaffle in, along with some other insulting verses. Lee begins shouting to try to drown out the singing, but when the Slytherins end up scoring the first goal, they just begin singing louder. Angelina screams at Harry, who remains stationary for too long, checking on the progress, and he begins frantically searching for the snitch again, though there's no sign of it. The Slytherins end up scoring another goal, and Harry reassures himself that there's still time for them to catch up. He doesn't start to panic until Slytherin scores two more, though soon after, Angelina scores Gryffindor's first goal. The sound of Luna's lion hat heartens him, and he's sure they can still pull back. When he finally sees the snitch, it's nearer to Malfoy, but Harry urges his firebolt forward, catching him and just managing to grab it before Malfoy can. Harry's feeling of relief is interrupted when a bludger hits him square in the back, and he falls off his broom, thankfully only about five feet from the ground. Angelina checks on him and angrily tells him it was Crab who hit the bludger at him the moment he got the snitch, though she is also pleased that they won. Harry hears a snort behind him and turns to see Malfoy, who is angrily sneering about how he saved Weasley's neck, commenting that he's never seen a worse keeper and asking if he liked his lyrics. Harry just turns away to meet the rest of his team, but Malfoy keeps calling insults after him, saying he wanted to write more verses, but couldn't find rhymes for fat and ugly about his mother or a useless loser for his father. At this point, Fred and George figure out what Malfoy is talking about, and as he continues his jeers, Harry grabs George as Angelina, Alicia, and Katie all grab Fred to stop them from leaping on Malfoy. But when Malfoy begins insulting Harry's mother... Harry doesn't even realize he let George go, but all of a sudden, the two of them are sprinting at Malfoy and begin punching him. People are screaming, yelling, swearing, a whistle is blowing, but Harry doesn't care until someone yells impedimenta, and he is knocked over backward. Madame Hooch screams at him as he gets back to his feet, as a bloodied Malfoy is curled on the ground, moaning. She sends Harry and George straight to McGonagall's office. Their head of house meets them there, absolutely livid about their behavior. She asks them to explain themselves, and when they tell her that Malfoy provoked them by insulting their parents, McGonagall is having none of it. As she tries to explain to them what they have done, they are interrupted by Professor Umbridge clearing her throat and offering to help. McGonagall insists that she doesn't need the help and returns to admonishing the boys, giving them each a week's worth of detention. Umbridge clears her throat to interrupt her again, this time saying she thinks that they deserve more than detentions. McGonagall reminds Umbridge that since they are in her house, it is her opinion that counts, but Umbridge smiles and reveals a parchment containing Educational Decree Number 25, giving the High Inquisitor the supreme authority over all punishments, sanctions, and removals of privileges as may have been ordered by other staff members. She then proceeds to ban Harry and George from playing Quidditch ever again. When Harry repeats this in disbelief, she reiterates it and also decides she better ban Fred as well, since she is sure that he would have also attacked young Mr. Malfoy if he had not been restrained. She also says that she wants their broomsticks confiscated and claims to be reasonable as she says that the rest of the team can continue playing as she saw no violence from them. 
She then bids them a good afternoon and leaves the room looking extremely satisfied. Angelina can't believe they no longer have a seeker or beaters. The team, minus Ron, is sitting around the fire, feeling like they didn't just win because of how unfair the situation is. Alicia wonders if Crab got banned for hitting the bludger at Harry, but Ginny miserably speaks up to share that she heard Montague laughing at dinner that he only got lines. Alicia also complains about Fred getting banned when he didn't even do anything, but Fred insists that he would have if they hadn't been holding him back. Angelina decides to go to bed, hoping that this will all turn out to be a bad dream, and Alicia and Katie soon follow her. Then Fred and George, then Ginny. When it is just Harry and Hermione left beside the fire, Hermione asks if he has seen Ron, thinking he is avoiding them. At that moment, the porter hole swings open and Ron enters the common room, looking extremely pale and with snow in his hair. When Hermione asks where he has been, he just says walking. She tells him to sit down and he sinks into the chair furthest from Harry and avoids looking at him. Staring at his feet, he apologizes for thinking he could play Quidditch and says that he is going to resign first thing tomorrow. Harry informs him that if he does, there will only be three players left on the team, and Hermione fills him in on the lifelong ban situation. Ron thinks it's all his fault since he is so lousy at Quidditch. As they argue about it, Hermione gets up and walks over to the window. Harry eventually snaps at Ron to drop it since it's already bad enough without him blaming himself. Both boys feel extremely lousy, but Hermione says she can think of something that might cheer them both up. Harry doubtfully says, oh yeah? And Hermione says, yeah, before informing them both that Hagrid is back. So since Quidditch was just completely left out of this movie, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much what this was about, yeah, there's no movie scenes to talk about. Nope, none of that. We'll just talk about what was left out and go from there. Mm-hmm. I feel like some of this information we could have gotten at least a feeling of it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if maybe we kind of did because it starts off focusing on Harry's, I don't know, pride or just relief and positive energy that comes from defying Umbridge in the ministry Mm -hmm. by doing the Defense Against the Dark Arts classes separate. Yeah. And I don't know for sure. Maybe I'll feel differently as we keep going through this since we just got to the end of the montage last week. Mm -hmm. Of the big scene about the meetings. Yeah. But I don't know that I ever got that feeling much beyond the expression on his face that this is really doing something positive for him. He does seem to have more confidence. That's true. He does seem a little more like he feels a little more badass. Well, he is too. Yeah. I also like and I don't know how they would have shown this in the movie anyway, but I like the fact that he's sitting there in Pepto Bitch Mall's class pretending to read the stupid book that he's supposed to read. But in reality, he's just thinking about the successes in the meetings. Mm -hmm. And it specifically mentions the fact that Neville successfully disarmed Hermione, which is super fucking impressive for Neville. Right. Yeah, he does get a moment in the movie a little later on, but we'll talk about that then. Yeah. You also have Colin Creevy, who worked really hard and within three meetings managed to master the impediment jinx. Well done, Colin. And obviously they couldn't show that in the movie because who's Colin Creevy? Nigel. They could have had Nigel do it, I guess, <laughs> but he already had several other adorable moments. So yeah. he was busy being levitated. Right. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they had Parvati produce a reductor curse that ended up reducing an entire table to dust. So kind of like the Ginny Weasley moment that we had in the last scene where she reduced the 
stupid fight dummy to dust. Yeah, it's very similar. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with them giving that to Ginny because we were supposed to start seeing how capable she is. Mm -hmm. And they didn't give us a ton of that otherwise. Yeah. That doesn't just end here either. (laughs) No. (laughs) That becomes a thing. And it's Mm -hmm. actually a thing that takes it down an opposite path. It's like what they did give her was so cringeworthy, but... Uh, we're getting off topic we will just keep on this chapter mm -hmm. and we'll talk about that when we get there yeah another thing that we obviously didn't get to see in the movie because they streamlined so much was how challenging it was to actually schedule these meetings Mm -hmm. they ended up having to keep them very unpredictable which is actually kind of a blessing and a curse because when it's unpredictable it's harder for people that may be watching them to spot patterns yeah and catch them Exactly. But at the same time, when you have 28 people in a group and you're trying to communicate to all of them what unpredictable time they're supposed to meet at, challenging. Definitely. And Hermione being Hermione solves this by showing up to a meeting with a basket full of galleons that Ron gets super excited about because he thinks she's really giving out money. Oh, Ron, that's such a cute thought. Right? Ron. It's adorable. Ronald. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's basically what Hermione says, too, because she then explains that they're fake. Yeah. She points out the numerals that are around the edge that would normally be like a serial number. Mm-hmm. But she made them to be a date and a time. Mm-hmm. And she cast the protean charm on them. Which was our trivia question. Yep. And she explains how that works, that when Harry changes the date on his, it will automatically change the date on all of the other ones. Mm-hmm. So he can just say, we are going to have a DA meeting at 7 p.m. on Thursday And then everybody else's coin will change to say that as well. And it'll also grow hot. So they'll feel it through their pocket and they'll know that the time has been set to check it right away. I'd be so worried I'd spend it. That's exactly what Ron says. Mm -hmm. And I'm Ron, so there's that. (laughs) It makes sense. And then another perk about this is if anybody asks them to empty out their pockets, it's just going to look like a galleon. Yeah. So they don't have to worry about it looking suspicious like oh yeah i just have a galleon in my pocket it's my lucky galleon Mm -hmm. you can't steal my money from me that's illegal type thing yeah because everybody just has a lucky galleon just sitting in their pocket i don't know if it would necessarily be a galleon but but we're not talking like quarters and a galleon's like a lot of money true oh that's weird how'd that get in there (laughs) (laughs) but anyway she's explaining all of this And she's not really thinking a thing of it. This is just something she can do. It's what she did. And everybody is just staring at her with their mouths hanging open. And she's just like, well, I thought it was a good idea. (laughs) And the only general response is, you can do a protean charm? Mm -hmm. Like, aren't you glad you're hanging with us now, guys? And Hermione's like, yeah. (laughs) And it's Terry Boot, who is in Ravenclaw. Of course. Knows this as well. That's like, that's N-E-W-T standard. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, yeah, I suppose it is. (laughs) And so then he asks her why she's not in Ravenclaw. And, of course, we already know this, but she mentions that the Sorting Hat actually did seriously consider putting her in Ravenclaw. We know that she was almost a hat stall. Yeah. But in the end, it went with Gryffindor. And I think we can see exactly why in this book, because here she is planning illegal defense against the dark arts meetings. (laughs) (laughs) She might be smart, but there's a lot about her that screams reckless, too. Yeah. I mean, brave. I prefer the first one, but yeah, that's, I mean. So she, again, asks them, like, 
this will work, right? We're going to use the galleons and they're, oh, yeah, okay. You know, and they all get a coin. Mm -hmm. And as she's distributing those, Harry just kind of murmurs to her, you know what this reminds me of? This totally reminds me of the Death Eaters' dark mark scars. <laughs> Funny you should mention. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Hermione's like, well, that's where I got the idea. I just thought that it'd be more practical if we engraved the information into bits of metal rather than our own skin. Probably the right call. And that's exactly what Harry thinks. He's yeah. like, yeah, I like your way better because his only concern is that he, they might accidentally spend it. Yeah. But Ron actually doesn't think that he will. So I was a little bit wrong there. He's not concerned he's going to spend it because he doesn't have any real galleons to confuse it with. Well, there's that. <laughs> Harry, however, he's just a spending fool with all his pocket full of galleons. I got a pocket, got a pocket full, full of galleons. galleons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. Right. Thanks for coming with me on that. Hey, I'm here for you. Thanks. But now we're getting closer and closer to the Quidditch match. Mm-hmm. And obviously there were no enchanted galleons in the movie. They just suddenly knew where to go and when to go there. So, sure. In a montage. In a montage, indeed. But now we're getting closer and closer and closer to the very first Quidditch match and farther and farther and farther away from things happening in the movie. Mm -hmm. And they actually end up having to put off the DA meetings because Angelina is making them practice basically every single day. The excitement around the school is at an all-time high because they didn't get to have any Quidditch matches the year before because of the Quad Wizard Tournament. Mm -hmm. So this is like, it's back, it's back, it's almost the first match. And everybody is also super invested, even from the other houses, because this match, being the top two teams, is really going to kind of determine future matches and possible champions. Yeah. Plus, it very much is like two rivals like the biggest two rivals yeah, oh, yeah. of the school so it's you know everyone's got a favorite yeah they all I gotta wonder pick who that might like be thing. And yeah this is actually one of my favorite parts mm -hmm. in a very subtle way i have so many favorite parts but i love the fact that the teachers are also super competitive and just pretending like oh being good sports fucking kill them <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, even Professor McGonagall avoids giving them homework mm -hmm. the entire week leading up to the match so that they can have extra time to practice. For the two people in that class, I mean, she probably did it for all of the classes. I'd be so pissed if I was in her class. Because you have like, Harry and Ron in fifth year. So mm -hmm. she probably just fifth year and up, no homework, is my bet. Yeah. I'm sorry, it better be, because I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting in that class going, fuck, the jocks don't get homework, but I gotta do fucking lines all day? Fuck this. Uh-uh. <laughs> I also kind of wonder if she still gave Slytherin homework. I mean, you know Snape did. Give Gryffindor, not Gryffindor, Slytherin. yeah. I would believe that 100%. He would be looking for reasons to give Harry extra homework. Oh, of course you he would. You fucked up your potion. Give me a 17,000 page essay yeah. by tomorrow. I want six feet of parchment on the fucking. <laughs> reasons why Re I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> on the reasons why you're stupid and your dad was a jerk. How about that, Potter? McGonagall also flat out tells Harry and Ron that she's grown accustomed to seeing the Quidditch cup in her study and doesn't want to hand it over to Snape. No pressure. Right? No pressure. And there's also no indication that she thinks she'd ever have to hand it over to Hufflepuff Ravenclaw. Oh, no. Like, that's not going to go to Flitwick. That's not going to go no. to Sprout. That is going to go to Snape or it's going to stay in her office and it is going to stay in her office. Yeah. 
Like, oh, it's cute that you try, Ravenclaw. It's adorable that you think so, Hufflepuff, but mm, no. No. Mine. <laughs> so she's a Niffler, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. So like we already said that we theorized Snape gave out extra homework to Gryffindor and probably Harry in specific. Mm -hmm. He is also booking the Quidditch pitch so often for Slytherin that the Gryffindors are even having a hard time getting to work on it themselves. Mm -hmm. I don't like I feel like he just stands out there even if they're not actually practicing. He's just like, nope, booked it for Slytherin. Yeah. Like they're just sitting out there like having a picnic on the field. Just, doing their homework there. Yeah, just doing whatever. <laughs> Catching butterflies or some shit. I don't know. Another thing that Snape was doing was turning a blind eye on all of the reports that Slytherin Quidditch players kept hexing or jinxing the Gryffindor Quidditch players in the corridors. Of course he did. That's what he does anyway. In one particular instance, there were 14 eyewitnesses. That told him that Miles Bletchley hit Alicia Spinnett with a jinx that caused her eyebrows to grow so fast. It was like a fucking curtain over her face all the way down to her mouth. Mm. Ew. And Snape, despite having 14 eyewitnesses, just insisted that she must have tried doing a hair thickening charm or something. And it got out of control. I know we've said this before, but... That man should never have been allowed to teach. No, not even a little bit. Mm -mm. But despite all of this, this is definitely some tension building up, some nerves leading up to the match. Mm -hmm. Lots of practicing. Harry's still feeling pretty good about their chances because at this point, they have never lost to Slytherin. Yeah. Nazi von Douchebag II might be a pain in the ass, but he's not really that good of a Quidditch player. Oh, he's a shitty player, man. Yeah. He may have gotten them good brooms, but that's about all he brings to the table. His daddy bought his way onto that team. Yeah. Like, there is no other reason for him to be there. Yeah. So he's not really concerned about it. No. Much beyond the fact that Ron's not quite up to Oliver Wood's standards. Oliver Wood. That's what I said. Oliver Wood. Oliver Wood. That's what I said. But he has made... But during the recent practices, he has made some truly spectacular saves to the point that even Fred and George, and this is one of the most brotherly statements that I have ever read in any book ever, Fred and George are seriously considering admitting that he's related to them. That's really sweet. <laughs> right? That's so sweet. That means guys. a lot coming from them. Yeah. So those spectacular saves takes away some of the concern that he's not up to wood standards. Mm -hmm. But what it doesn't help with is the fact that Ron's nerves are shot. Oh, yeah. And at this point, Harry is used to the Slytherins using their shitty tactics to get into his head mm -hmm. and try and make him nervous. And when they say shit to him, he's got a snappy comeback because unlike Draco... Harry is actually really good at snappy comebacks. Mm -hmm. So I think it was Pansy Parkinson who said, Hey, Potty, I heard Warrington sworn to knock you off your broom Saturday. And Harry, without missing a beat, says, Warrington's aim is so pathetic, I'd be more worried if he was aiming for the person next to me. Ooh, burn. Just completely wipes the smile off of her face. Mm -hmm. And of course, then all of the Gryffindors get to laugh. Yeah. But when they say shit to Ron, he turns some shade of red or green or maybe white 
one of those unnatural Christmas colors and also tends to drop whatever is in his hands at that moment, Mm -hmm. which does not bode well for someone who's supposed to catch shit. Yeah, not at all. So I can see why that might make Harry a little nervous. Mm -hmm. Sure. Ron needs to get out of his head. Oh, for sure. Entirely. 100%. Yeah. And that's something that comes with experience and practice and confidence. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he gets there eventually. Yeah. But at this point, it's new, it's fresh, he's nervous as fuck, and everything is getting to him. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, October ends. It's windy, it's rainy, it transitions into November, and it starts to get cold and frosty. Sure. Which seems like the strangest time to start an outdoor sport to me, but I guess it's kind of like football. American football. American football, to be specific, yes. Yes. (laughs) Then the morning of the actual match, Harry wakes up, looks over at Ron, and he is already sitting upright in bed, looking like he cast that slug vomiting charm on himself again. So he's super pale. He looks like he's about to vomit. Harry probably wouldn't have been the least bit surprised if it had been a slug Mm -hmm. that he vomited. And he's just like, you okay? You're right. And Ron manages to nod. And that is it. He looks like if he opens his mouth, that slug is coming out. Mm -hmm. So Harry just is like, okay, well, you know, you just need to eat some breakfast. Settle your stomach. It'll be all right. And he gets him down to the Great Hall. Things are starting to get really busy down there because everybody's trying to eat before the match. And when they walk past the Slytherin table... Harry is noticing all of these extra flashes of silver amongst the silver and green that they're all wearing. Mm -hmm. And this silver is in the shape of a crown and their badges pinned to their robes. Mm. He can't see what they say from where he is, but has a very distinct impression that he doesn't want Ron to see them. And he just kind of rushes them right past. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that is, but it cannot be good. It cannot be good. It is not good. Yeah. We'll get to that. Mm -hmm. Harry gets him to the Gryffindor table and everybody there greets him with a cheer. And you'd think maybe this would cheer Ron up. But no, he's just like, I must be mental. I can't do this. I'm complete rubbish. Why did I sign up for this? What was I thinking? And Harry's just like, no, look, you're fine. Ron is a mood. He is a mood. He is such a mood. And Harry's trying to reassure him, telling him, you're going to be great, bud. Remember that impressive save you made with your foot the other day? Mm-hmm. That was awesome. You can do this. And Ron's just like, yeah, that was an accident. So keep having him. And Harry was just like, what? <laughs> and Ron confesses that he slipped off his broom when no one was looking. And in the effort of trying to get back on the broom, accidentally kicked the quaffle away from the goalpost. You know what, dude? At that point, just embrace it and accident your way into a fucking win. That's exactly what Harry says. A few more accidents like that, the game's in the bag. That's all we need, man. Another distraction shows up in the form of Hermione and Ginny, who are like, you okay? Yeah, right. (laughs) And Harry explains that Ron's just feeling really nervous, but Hermione thinks that's a good sign because she always feels nervous before a big test, and that just helps her perform better. And I don't think you're helping, Hermione. No, that's not useful advice. I don't think so either. No. But Ron doesn't even have a chance to say anything because an even better distraction comes in the form of Luna Lovegood wearing a hat that looks like a life-sized lion. Yeah, she would. She does. Yeah, that completely tracks. She then proceeds to let them know that she's, of course, supporting Gryffindor. Be weird if she was like, oh, no, I'm rooting for Slytherin. I just like lions. (laughs) It'd be even better if Luna was like, there's a game today? (laughs) 
Exactly. What we do get mm-hmm. is Luna tapping her hat with her wand and it giving a realistic roar that just scares the shit out of everybody in the area. Luckily, they wore their brown robes. Well, that is a good thing. Yes. She also lets them know that she really wanted to have it chewing up a serpent, but she ran out of time. So this is what it is. Though she's pretty proud of it. And then all in the same breath, she just says, anyway, good luck, Ronald, and like skips off. I'm not going to lie. This is kind of showing Luna's Ravenclaw right there, though, too, because that's pretty impressive that she made that herself. And it gives it like realistic lion roar and what she could have done with more time. Right. That's really showing like she is definitely creative and smart on top of being quirky. She's got skills to pay the bills, man. Oh, yeah. Skills to pay the bills. It's also the perfect distraction because now they're all sitting there going, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Instead of stressing about the match. Exactly. And before they can even recover from that, this is when Angelina, Katie, and Alicia come up to them. They're like, all right, we're about to head out to the Quidditch pitch, see how it's doing down there, see how it looks, if the sun's too bright, if it's cold. We're just going to get an indication of what the conditions are. Mm -hmm. And Harry's just like, yep, we'll join you. I just need Ron to eat something. Yep. And then he spends about 10 minutes trying to get Ron to eat something. And I mean, I remember Harry's first match. He didn't want to eat anything either. So Right. Take a bit of toast, mate. Go on. Right. Not hungry. Yeah. So he gives up. They stand up to head down to the pitch themselves. And Hermione also gets up. Mm -hmm. And she whispers to Harry, whatever you fucking do, do not let Ronald see those badges. And Harry's just like, yeah, I was already thinking that. And she was like, just don't, yeah. just don't do it. And then Ron comes over to them. And in the spirit of making sure Ron does not see those badges, she stands up on her tiptoes so that she can reach his cheek because he's tall. Mm-hmm. And she kisses him on the cheek. Aww. And Ron just for a second actually looks like himself confused as fuck. But it also sufficiently distracts him from anything going on around him. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure his brain is just going, huh? Well, that's because all the blood has gone downward. Right? So, you know. (laughs) Harry, however, Mm -hmm. isn't remotely distracted by this because it wasn't Cho kissing him on the cheek. Well, yeah, there's that. Sure. No choner boner at this point. Nope. So he knows exactly what's going on around him, including the fact that those silver badges in the shape of a crown say Weasley is our king. That does not bode well. Yeah, considering that it's the Slytherins wearing it, this is not a good thing. No, 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 no. But obviously wanting to keep Ron away from it, he doesn't say anything. They just walk down to the pitch and he talks about how good the flying conditions are to Ron. Like, oh, look, we're not going to have to fly into the sun and blah, 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 blah. And Ron's just like, duh. And I don't know if at this point, if it's the impending Quidditch match or Mm -hmm. Hermione's kiss or a weird blend of the two, but he's just not listening. I'll say a little bit of both, maybe. But they get to the changing rooms. Angelina's already in her robes, so they change into theirs. And they listen to her talking to the rest of the team and end up learning that there are new beaters. Mm-hmm. Some boulders by the name of Crab and Goyle. Wait, we know them. Right? And she's just like, I don't really know anything about them. The old beaters, she was really surprised that they knew which end of the broomstick they were supposed to sit on and stuff like that. And Harry assures her that Tweedledouche and Tweedledumass are cut from the same mold. Oh, yeah. So he's even less concerned now. Mm-hmm. And 
that gets increased just a little bit when everybody starts making their way up to the stands and they can hear singing that they can't make out. This is when the nerves really start to kick in for Harry, but as Ron, who looks completely gray at this point, just to add another color to oh yeah, this range that he's been changing to all week. Perhaps like a puce. Right? Yeah. Ron's looking gray, so Harry knows that he doesn't feel anywhere near as bad as Ron does, but he is definitely starting to feel some nerves. Mm-hmm. And then Angelina tells him it's time, and they make their way out to the Quidditch pitch themselves, and there is the entire Slytherin team waiting for them, naturally. Mm-hmm. All also wearing the silver crown badges, and at this time, I have to figure Ron maybe notices it. I'm surprised he made it that long without somebody strategically coming up to him. Yeah, I don't know. If he looked really like he was about to puke slugs again, they may have been avoiding him. I feel like that would have just been a bonus for them. (laughs) Anywho, Madam Hooch naturally is overseeing the match. Any Hooch? Any Hooch. Hooch is crazy. (laughs) Hooch is crazy. She orders the captains to shake hands, and Angelina and the new Slytherin captain, Montague, shake hands, and he's clearly trying to crush hers, but being a badass, she doesn't wince at all. Well, of course, because she's Angelina fucking Johnson. Right? And then they all get on their brooms and start playing, and we got Lee Jordan commentating, and naturally getting off topic and getting yelled at by Professor McGonagall. My favorite is... When he mentions what a player Johnson is Mm. and then says, I've been saying it for years and she still won't go out with me, (laughs) which is hilarious for multiple reasons. Number one, he kind of called her a player. Like, obviously, he meant Quidditch player, but was kind of also implying she gets around but won't go out with him. Yeah. is how that came across to me. Oh, yeah. Number two, Fred totally took her to... The Yule Ball last year? Mm-hmm. So are they, like, trying to date the same girl? Because George later marries her. I mean, it feels like a community broom situation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do Angelina dirty like that. No. So I just think that's... that she is the shit and all of the guys want her. Mm-hmm. Can you blame them? No. No. Anyway, Quidditch happens, Quidditch happens, Quidditch happens. Neither Katie and I are very sports ball associated, so... Yeah, things... That's about what we're giving you there. We're not going to focus on the details of it. Balls are in the air and doing things. People are flying. Dudes are on sticks. And chicks. And there are chicks on sticks. sticks. (laughs) Dicks and chicks on sticks. Dicks and chicks on sticks. (laughs) Anyway, Quidditch is happening. Lee Jordan is doing commentating. And then to stick with the plot... He notices that the Slytherin section is singing and he's like, what is that they're singing? And he stops doing his commentary to listen in. And at this point, you can actually hear what's happening. Yeah. We have this lovely, super fucking clever song. It's amazing. Really Just genius. Mm-hmm. Missed his calling. Fucking Shakespeare over there. Right. Mm-hmm. Weasley cannot save a thing. He cannot block a single ring. That's why Slytherins all sing, Weasley is our king. Weasley was born in a bin. He always lets the quaffle in. Weasley will make sure we win. Weasley is our king. Guys, we're better than this. We just, I mean, come on. Are they though? As a house, we are better than this. Should be, for sure. This is why we can't have nice things, guys. Yeah, this is why they're not in Ravenclaw. Because your insults are stupid. 
Come on. <laughs> they are really bad. Training for the ballet, Potter. Oi, Skyhead. <laughs> the fuck? <sighs> Anywho, Lee starts shouting the commentary over the song, trying to drown it out. And during all of this, Harry's just like, oh, shit, what's this doing to Ron? And he gets distracted from searching for the snitch and actually turns to look at Ron and the progress of the game. And he finds himself sitting in one place for so long that Angelina flies past him and screams at him. <laughs> Move your ass, Potter. Basically. Yeah. So he's just like, oh, fuck me. And he starts frantically searching for the snitch again. And sees Malfoy doing the exact same thing because, thank God, there's been no sign of it. And he didn't fuck the game up. Yeah. Any more than Ron has been because in all of this chaos of the song and everything going on, he let a goal in for Slytherin. So now it's 10 to nothing. Mm -hmm. That first goal gave the Slytherin some more pep and they're just screaming this song even louder and even Lee can't drown it out. Yep. And then to make it even worse, they score another goal and Harry's just like, no, it's okay. It's... 20 to nothing we can make it up for this and then they scored two more goals and he's just like fuck me it's 40 to nothing if i get the snitch we're still okay mm -hmm. and then angelina scores gryffindor's first goal and that yeah. makes it a little bit better because 30 to nothing is easy to come back from yeah and of course gryffindor scoring this goal gets everybody else cheering because it's not just the slytherin section making noise now since we know everybody else is cheering for gryffindor i'm sure there are some people that might be cheering for slytherin aside from slytherin just because they think maybe they have a better chance of beating slytherin than they do gryffindor maybe it just depends on their strategy kind of like you're cheering for the lesser of the two evils which is interesting because in this case it'd be slytherin <laughs> right <laughs> ironic hmm don't you think it's like rain at your quidditch game yeah sorry <laughs> we're very singy this episode. we are <laughs> for fuck's sake the musical <laughs> but anyway gryffindor getting more cheering also involves Luna's lion hat roaring yeah which is loud enough that they can hear over all of the other cheering which is probably a good thing right it makes harry feel better yeah. i don't know if it makes ron feel better but harry's just like no we got this we can do it yeah. and he is just like we're gonna pull back i gotta find the snitch and he just frantically still gonna get the snitch gonna get the snitch and then he does finally see it mm -hmm. and unfortunately it's closer to malfoy but there are two strikes against malfoy one is that he sucks the other is that he is not on a firebolt there we go and harry catches him and manages to pass him just enough to get the snitch before Nazi von Douchebag the second can. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, this is just like this huge feeling of relief. And he can hear everybody in Gryffindor cheering and his team is happy. And this is interrupted when he gets smacked in the lower back hard enough by something to knock him off his broom. And thankfully, he's only like five or six feet off the ground. Well, but that's, that's still a fucking hard fall. It's a drop. And not to mention, I mean, that could have broken his back. But yeah, that could have like severely, like that could have severed his spine. That yeah. could have fucked him up. And you I'm know? sure Madame Pomfrey could have fixed him up. I mean, she regrew half the bones in his arm a few years back. Yeah. But still, that's not pleasant. No. And at the same time, I don't know if I'm just overreacting, but it's a bit of a dick move. Not even a bit. That was a dick move. 
That was a full-on dick move. That was a Ron Jeremy move. That's what that was. That was a big dick move. Angelina comes rushing over to him Mm -hmm. to check on him because she's a good captain. Well, yeah. She's pissed. She was just like, that was fucking crab. He hit a bludger at you the moment he saw that you got the snitch. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, she's also like, but we won. We won. We won because they won. (laughs) That would be a good thing to yell when you win, I guess. Yeah. And this is awesome, too, because everybody's just going to remember that Gryffindor won this match. They're not going to remember that Ron let four goals in. Mm -hmm. I mean, they might, but they still know that Gryffindor won. At that point, it just doesn't matter. Like, oh, yeah, okay, so you scored some goals. We still fucked you. Right? I mean, come on. Well, that's not how Nazi von Douchebag the second sees it. Well, that's because he is, what is it again? Oh, yeah, a Nazi von Douchebag the second. Yeah. VD2 also makes his way over to Potter just so that he can be VD2. Mm-hmm. Making comments to Harry about how, oh, you really saved Weasley's neck, huh? I've never seen a worse keeper ever. But then he was born in a bin. Did you like my lyrics? No, dude, they fucking sucked. Not only were they mean, they were just shitty. Like, they were just dumb. quality. Yeah, you're dumb. You're dumb. You're straight up dumb. <laughs> and Harry just turns away from him. Mm-hmm. This does not age well, but he ignores him. <laughs> he tried. He really did try. He gave it the good old college try. He meets up with the rest of his team and... VD2 is just sort of trailing behind him, calling out more insults, saying shit about how he wanted to write more verses, but he couldn't find anything that rhymes with fat and ugly, which, how shitty are you at rhyming, by the way? (laughs) Like, at the very least, reverse them and go with ugly and fat, and you can rhyme fucking anything with fat. I love that that's your commentary. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just one of them. It's just one of them because also fuck you for talking about Molly Weasley like that. That's where, I mean, that's where my mind goes. But, but also, yeah. like, are you that bad at rhyming? Yeah. I mean, clearly, because his song sucked. I kind of feel like if I were Harry, I'd just be turning to him like, I'm sorry, I can't hear you over the sound of the fact that we fucking won. Right? I can't hear you over the celebrating that Gryffindor just kicked Slytherin's ass. Mm-hmm. But no, Harry just keeps trying to ignore him. Mm-hmm. VD2 goes on to say that they also couldn't find anything to rhyme with useless loser for his father. But unfortunately, this is the point that Fred and George realize what's going on Mm -hmm. and what the fuck he's talking about. Yep. And they try to lunge towards him, understandably. Completely understandably, yeah. And Harry grabs a hold of George and it takes Angelina, Alicia, and Katie to all grab Fred. So I don't know if Harry's just that strong or if Fred was just that more mad. I think there were a lot of factors probably at play there. But they stopped them Mm -hmm. from just leaping on VD2. Yeah. Until Malfoy decides to also add some insults about Harry's mother into the mix. He's like, oh, that's right. I forgot you like the Weasleys, but I suppose that their house reminds you of your own muggle mother's stink or something like that. Like, it's just fucking awful that's you're dumb dude you're dumb dumb and mean and just go away again sorry i can't hear you over the sound of me catching the snitch and you not bitch right but that's not what he does what he actually does is let george go and the two of them sprint at malfoy and just start punching him i mean that would definitely be my plan b (laughs) for sure yeah i'm impressed that he made it that long Mm mm-hmm 
the teacher in me is just like, oh, Harry, because <laughs> you don't ever actually solve anything with violence like that. No, but it fucking feels good sometimes. Right? <laughs> the emotional side of me knows that. Yeah. Like, that side of me is just like, good for you, sticking up for yourself. He's terrible. But then the teacher in me is just like, Harry, Harry, Harry. Harry, 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 Harry. And this, of course, sets off like girls screaming, people yelling, people swearing. That's probably George and Fred and Harry swearing. Sure, yeah. Somebody's blowing a whistle, which we can imagine is crazy Madam mm-hmm. Hooch. <laughs> crazy Madam Hooch. But Harry just doesn't care. And he just keeps punching Malfoy until somebody hits him with impedimenta and he sends him flying backwards. Mm-hmm. And then he gets back up to his feet as Madam Hooch is running up to him, screaming at him like, what do you think you're doing? Ah, la, 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 la. You go straight to your head of house's office. And that's where Harry and George go and they meet McGonagall there. And she is just like, what do you think you were doing? I feel like we've heard this before. Right. Just talking about how disgusting their behavior was. And she's just like, explain yourself. Mm -hmm. And when they're like, Malfoy provoked us. And she's just like, I don't care what he did to provoke you. You were brawling like a fucking muggle. Yeah. And George tries to explain that he was insulting their parents. And she was like, I don't care if they insulted every member of your family. You can't do that. Do you realize what you've done? But before she can actually tell them what they've done, what they've done has shown up mm-hmm. at the office and interrupts them with a him him. This is literally insult to injury right here. Yeah. She offers to help. Oh, I bet she does. And McGonagall's just like, fucking help? Like, what do I need your fucking help for? Yeah. She was just like, oh, I thought you might be grateful for a little more authority. Bitch, I will cut you. Yeah, what she actually says, although I'm 100% positive that it translates to bitch, I will cut you, (laughs) is you thought wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And she just goes right on doing what McGonagall's going to do. Yeah. What she's been doing for 38 years. McGonagall gonna McGonagall. Right. And she tells the boys that it was completely unacceptable. She's so disgusted. Blah, 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 blah. She's giving them each a week's worth of detention. And then, of course, Harry's immediately like, what? And she's like, don't give me that look, Potter. Do not sass me, sir. You deserve this. Mm Mm-hmm. Pepto bitch mall. Hem, hem. Again. Mm, Of course she does. And interrupts to say that she thinks they deserve more than detentions. Yeah, well, I think that you deserve to get kicked in the head by a troll. Or a centaur. Sure. Foreshadowing. (laughs) (laughs) So McGonagall just reminds Pepto Bitch Mall that as she is their head of house, Gryffindor, it is her opinion that counts, not Pepto Bitch Mall's. Mm -hmm. And Pepto Bitch Mall just smiles. And says, oh, yeah, about that. (laughs) Reaches in her robes and pulls out a parchment. McGonagall's literally like, not another one. Isn't this convenient? Right. Mm -hmm. And Bitch Mall tells her that it was actually you who made me see that this needed to be put into action. Because once you overruled me for keeping the Gryffindor Quidditch team from playing, I realized that... No standard teacher should have authority over the High Inquisitor. And she presents Educational Decree number 25. Wait, Educational Decree number 25, not 394, perhaps? (laughs) Anywho, this is 
in the book, Educational Decree Number 25. Mm -hmm. And it says the High Inquisitor will henceforth have supreme authority over all punishments, sanctions, and removal of privileges pertaining to the students of Hogwarts and the power to alter such punishments, sanctions, and removals of privileges as may have been placed by other staff members. So basically, we're looking at a dictatorship. Yes. Except in this case, it's a bitch-tatorship. Yes. Mm -hmm. A pepto-bitch-tatorship. A pepto-bitch-tatorship. Hierarchy be damned. Anyway... Because this educational decree number 25 gives her an unprecedented amount of power, mm -hmm. she uses said power. Of course she does. To ban Harry and George from playing Quidditch ever again. Of course she does. Right? Mm -hmm. And Harry's just like, ever again? Bold of her to think she'll be there more than a year. She is in the cursed position. She doesn't know that. Mm -hmm. She probably should at this point, but you would she's think. not that smart. I don't think she was Ravenclaw either. Yeah, she was Slytherin. What? I'm trying to ignore that fact. Understandably. Mm -hmm. But Harry repeats, banned from playing Quidditch ever again? And she says it, yes, from ever again, a lifelong banned. And you know what? I also better ban this young man's twin, too, because I feel sure that he would have also attacked young Mr. Malfoy if he had not been restrained. You sense that, do you? Do, maybe you should be teaching divination then, <laughs> bitch. If you can apparently see what would have happened. I mean... I mean, she's probably right. Yeah, yeah of I course. Think everybody watching that situation knew exactly what was about to happen. Yeah, but the fact of the Except matter is... Except for maybe he... Trelawney. Right, right. She's the only one who was like, I never would have saw that coming. The fact of the matter remains that he didn't. He was totally going to kick the shit out of Nancy von Douchebag II if the opportunity arose. It just didn't. Mm, yeah. But as if adding insult to injury isn't enough, she just has to keep piling on the insults. And she also says that she wants their brooms confiscated. So they can't, like, sneak out and play Quidditch. I don't know what. What are they going to do? Like, just go out on the game? Like, haha, bitch, you I thought you banned us. Way. We're still doing what? it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She also just claims that she's reasonable and says that the rest of the team continue playing as she saw no violence from them. Okay, so first off, fuck this bitch. Valid. I'm with you so far. End of discussion. Second off, fuck this bitch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but she then bids them a good afternoon and you know they're all just in there like, what the fuck's good about it? Yeah. <laughs> like, the hell just happened? And then Pepto Bitch Mall leaves the room looking extremely satisfied because she knows what she just did. Of course she does. I damn well feel like she was just itching for this the whole time. Oh, she just... was hoping something would happen so she could utilize educational decree number 25 as soon as possible. Yeah. This was like her fucking Christmas. Yeah. To jump forward a little bit, we are now in the common room. Where the entire Gryffindor Quidditch team, except for Ron, because nobody's fucking seen him since the match. Yeah. Are sitting around the fire. Harry is flanked by Hermione and Ginny. Mm-hmm. Just trying to comfort him, because this fucking sucks. Yeah. Angelina cannot believe that they don't have a Seeker or Beaters anymore. Yeah. That's nearly half the team gone. Mm-hmm. And now the season has already started, and they have to find fresh meat. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just a disaster on so many different levels. Yes. It's also unbelievably unfair. 
Mm-hmm. Alicia's like, did Crab get banned for hitting the bludger at Harry after the game was over? And Jenny's like, no. Of course not. She heard Montague laughing about it at dinner because all Crab got was lines. Of so course. apparently when Slytherin shows violence, mm-hmm. it's perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Well, I don't know about perfectly acceptable, but it's apparently more acceptable. Yeah. Nothing happens to Malfoy at all, who was being a bullying git. Mm-hmm. And it's just super shitty. I mean, you know, sever a spine. Dude, you're fine. But throw a punch. I'm gonna make you my lunch. She definitely made them her lunch, though. She did. I'm not entirely sure what that means, but I'm pretty sure it happened. I mean, it sounds right, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, it sounds like a thing. We'll go with it. It's a thing. I voted. Alicia also complains about Fred getting banned when he didn't even do anything. And Fred's just like, fuck you. I would have done something if I could (laughs) have. You three weren't holding me back. Which we knew. And Umbridge knew. Yeah. Accurate. And no one would have blamed him for either. Well, except for maybe like all of the teachers. They would just blame him because now they have to. Right. So Fred is positive that he still deserved this, even though he didn't get to do anything. He's just super pissed that he didn't actually get to do what he wanted to do to get in trouble. That's what I'm saying. He like, he's not even so much as pissed that he got in trouble. It's that he didn't get to do the thing that he got in trouble trouble for. for. Yeah. It's not fair. I'm sorry, but if I'm Fred, I'm just like getting up and going and like jacking some someone in the face. Just specifically Malfoy. Yeah, well, yes, preferably. But yeah, just being like, you know what? If this is gonna happen, I'm gonna fucking earn it. So right. bam. I wouldn't blame him there either, to no. be honest. Like, what else are they gonna do? Be like, Expel well, you- him. Uh, he gets the last word. It'll be all right. We'll exactly. get there. But anyway, Angelina decides that she's going to go to bed still holding on to the hope that maybe this is just a really bad fucking dream and that she's going to wake up and none of it will have happened. and They'll get to play the Quidditch match for real and everything will be okay. Angelina and Katie soon follow after her, then Fred and George, then Ginny. And eventually it's just Harry and Hermione left by the fire like, where the fuck is Ron? And Hermione's like, do you think he's avoiding us? And this question is answered by Ron actually coming through the portrait hole and finding them there. Yeah. He looks very pale, like he's completely frozen and there's snow in his hair. So he probably is completely frozen. Yeah. So when Hermione asks where he's been and he just says walking, you know he's been wandering around the grounds. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how late it is at this point. People are going to bed, so he's probably out past when he's supposed to be. And he, he either didn't get caught or nobody cares because they feel bad for him. <laughs> He went out walking (laughs) after midnight. Hermione tells him to sit down by the fire because he's so cold. He needs to warm up. And he picks the chair that's farthest from Harry. Yeah. Will not make eye contact with him. Mm -hmm. And eventually apologizes while staring at his own feet. And Harry's just like, what the fuck are you apologizing for? And Ron says it's for thinking that he could play Quidditch. He also says that he's going to resign first thing in the morning. And Harry's just like, well, if you fucking do that, there's only going to be three people left on the team. And Ron's like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, dude, you missed some shit. Like, we should talk. Yeah. And it's actually Hermione who fills him in on the whole band for life situation because Harry just can't talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Understandably. Right. Hermione's just kind of like Cliff's notes. Here's what happened. Shit got real. And then, of course, Ron is just, it's all my fault. I'm so lousy at Quidditch and blah, 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 blah. And they're just going back and forth. 
Harry's just like, how do you figure it's your fault? He's like, if I hadn't let those things in, blah, 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 blah. And Hermione just like gets up and walks away because A, they're talking about sports ball and B, mm-hmm. what's she going to do here? Yeah. She just walks over to the window and is staring out the window while they go through this thing. And Harry's just eventually like, just drop it. It's already bad enough without you blaming yourself. Yeah. And they're both feeling super lousy about everything. And Hermione's like, well, I have something to cheer you up. Yeah, what? Exactly. Mm. Hermione says, Hagrid's back. Dun, dun, dun. And that's where the chapter ends. Yeah. Good ending for a chapter, I gotta say. Yeah, I liked that. It's kind of then getting us back on track with what's going on in the movie. Mm-hmm. However, at the same time, it's not because the next chapter has a movie section and it's just in the wrong order. <laughs> so, Yeah, it's a thing. It'll work. It's just going to be weird for a few weeks in a row. Yeah. But since we're at the end of the chapter and there were no movie scenes, there were no actors Mm -hmm. to talk about. Yep. No scenes. There were no actors. Therefore, Potter pondering. Let's do it. Do you think it was okay that the Order of the Phoenix film left out Quidditch completely? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Get it to me by Wednesday to make sure I can get it in the episode. Make sure you start off by telling us your name and then go into your answer. If you can't make the deadline to get it in the next episode, don't forget you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. This will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Liz Bennett. She writes, I'm a Ravenclaw. My wand is acacia wood, and my Patronus is a calico cat. When I was 11, our middle school class field trip was to see the new movie Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Harry and his friends were all 11 years old and relatable characters. I remember loving the movie and was so happy when they announced they were going to read the second book in our reading class in school, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, and we all had the chance to discuss it as a class. Publishers had announced that they were releasing a fourth book during the summer between 7th and 8th grade, I was about 13 at this time, and the school was enforcing a summer book project. My love of fantasy started to bloom, and I chose Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban for my summer project. After this, I forced my grandmother to attend every midnight release at the local Walmart to obtain the first edition of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, and finally, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. It's important to mention that I was 11 years old when I started reading this series, and growing up with these characters truly was an experience I cherish. As teenagers, many experience anxiety and boredom. Growing up in a small town can mean that there aren't many options for entertainment, especially regarding children-slash-family-friendly events, so these books were my relief, Escape from the Daily Grind. They were so much more than books to me. Friends is a more accurate sentiment. Aww. I get it, Liz. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us. Yeah, thank you so much. Seeing as how you're friends with Megan, I figure you have to be awesome. Well, of course. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at podcast at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media. This week's trivia question is, 
What is the first gift that Hagrid and Madame Maxime brought to the Gurg of the Giants? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag respectful greetings will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at forfoxsakepodcast at gmail.com to let us know you did and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pod. Following us on Podbean at foxsakepod.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at forfoxsakepodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to support us as a patron, you can sign up on patreon.com slash foxsakepod. $2 and up a month will get you some awesome perks like For Fox Sake swag, access to patron-only Facebook groups, chats, our Discord channel, virtual hangouts, and more. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated, even if it's just telling your Harry Potter friends about us. And if you don't have any Harry Potter friends, there's another reason to join our Patreon, because you will meet some of the best Harry Potter people ever. I mean, just the best people ever, really. There's that, too. Period. End of sentence. So we've been having an insane few weeks. Mm, yes. It's been insane since June, really. I just meant specifically me getting in the car accident, having to figure out how to buy a new car and where to get the money for that, mm -hmm. and then my husband's grandmother dying. Mm -hmm. I'm also getting ready to go to Spain for a week for my cousin's wedding, yeah. and I've been trying to put together all of my sub plans for that, so I am just ready for a normal week again. Mm-hmm. And in lieu of all of that insanity, despite the fact that I have always gotten an episode up while I was on vacation, taking a week off. I think that's fair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're actually going to skip a week next week. Join us back in two weeks when we talk about Chapter 20, Hagrid's Tale and the semi-corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. And in the meantime... Keep calm and hairy on! Oh, for fuck's sake.